Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. book of Exodus, and I want to read just a few verses in, in, a, in a few chapters here, just kind of scattered through several chapters of the book of Exodus. So let's, let's start with chapter 15 and verse 22. I want to say again, how much we do appreciate and are thankful for each one of our guests that is here today. We're glad to have Miss um, Josephine with us and Brother Brian's sister. Traveled all the way down from Minnesota and was here for the graduation of Sister Brittany on Friday. And then I know it's been a blessing for them to be able to see family. And uh, I know Brother Smith sure enjoyed it. And uh, it's good to see them again thankful they're here this morning and then it's good to see the Ridgeways here with us today we appreciate you being with us in the house of the Lord and others that I see here we're so thankful for you being here today God bless you Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22 so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water and when they came to Marah they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Before the name of it was called, therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the water, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palms, and they encamped there by the waters. And then in chapter 16, verse 3, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the fool. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Let's turn on over into the word of the Lord to chapter number 19 
And you'll notice there's one word that seems to keep surfacing throughout these passages, and that is the word proved or proven. 19 and 20, And the Lord came unto Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priest also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the Mount, and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, that thou shalt come up thou, and Aaron with thee, but let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. And then chapter 20 and verse 20, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove, there's that word again, prove you, that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. And I simply want to use as a subject here this morning, by, by the help of the Lord, prove it. Prove it. Praise God. You hear that term a lot, especially in our day and hour, where there's folks that are given to perhaps exaggeration or whatever, and people want to see the proof. Prove it. Amen. Well, I believe in a certain way that our God wants to see the fruit, and he wants to see the fruit and the proof of our works for him. Praise God. So prove it. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord, and let's pray for God's help and his strength and his blessing in this service. Would you pray? Dear Lord, I'm asking you to lay your hand upon us, praying, God, for your touch in the remainder of this service. I'm asking, God, that you would meet with us today. Speak to the hearts of people here this morning. God, bless this service. Bless your word to each and every person that is gathered here. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? Why don't you clap your hands to him again? Thank you for standing. You may be seated. God performs so many wonderful and powerful miracles for his people Israel. As you read through the book of Exodus, sometimes if we're not careful, we get to thinking that all the miracles and all of the powerful stuff is just written in the New Testament or recorded in the New Testament. But the fact is there's many great miracles that are written about and recorded in the Word of God in the Old Testament and in particularly in the book of Exodus. There's some very powerful, powerful miracles that God performed for his people. We know that they had been in this enslaved situation for now some 400 years. And it is ironic that most of that 400 years, I'm sure, was not with the rigor and the intensity that it was in the last few years before they were delivered. But uh, as time went on, their bondage become greater than they could bear. 
and they begin to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord began to move in their situation. Aren't you thankful that when we cry unto the Lord, when we really get earnest, when we pray and we take heed to God and begin to seek Him, that He does respond to our prayers, that He does in fact work for His people, that He hears the cry just as He heard the cry of these Israelites. He hears the cry of His people and we know that Moses was raised up from among them and how miraculous it was, how Moses was used to face Pharaoh and stand before him. And that in and of itself, the Lord performed so many miracles. He was able to cast his rod down in the court of Pharaoh and it became a serpent, take it by its tail and it turned back into a rod. At one particular point, God was proving Uh, himself to Moses, told him to put his hand in his bosom. And when he drew it out, it was leprous. He told him to place it back within his bosom. And when he drew it out again, it was whole. God God did all of this to prove himself to Moses and to the people that he was well in control, that he was able to do the work that needed to be done, that in fact he was capable of delivering them. And then who could forget the plagues that came one by one upon Egypt and how that God showed himself so powerful. Then not only to Moses and the Israelites, but now he's showing himself and his power to the Egyptians themselves. I think this world needs to know how powerful our God is. I think that we need to see miracles and we need to see Uh, the anointing and the power of God at work in such a way that the world has to take notice that the God that they are serving, the God that they're living for, the God that they're walking with is a powerful God and he is able to perform miracles. He's able to work for his people. He hears and he answers prayer. And so uh, these plagues one by one come bombarding Egypt to the point that one servant comes to Pharaoh tries to persuade him to let the people go in the midst of all of this that is taking place. And uh, he hardens his heart. He tells and decrees to him that we're going to continue on in the same path. And uh, the servant said, What do you not understand that Egypt is being destroyed, that their God is destroying the land of Egypt, this once so formidable empire is being single-handedly destroyed by their God. That's how powerful God was to work among them. And then you know the story of the Passover and the final blow of how that the firstborn was slain and killed throughout the land of Egypt. But for those that had the blood applied, the death angel passed over them. And millions strong, they were able to walk out, not a feeble one among them, And they came into the wilderness to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was bearing down upon them. But God said, don't worry, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they were able through the help of God to pass over on dry ground. Amen. This sea that had been there for years upon years, uh, God, when he breathed the highway through it, 
that it was totally dry, it wasn't muddy, they didn't bog down, but they were able to cross clean over on dry ground. And then he drowned the Egyptian army that was in their pursuit uh, when the sea came back together. And such a powerful miracle was demonstrated here that when you're up against it, when it seems like there is absolutely no way that God is able to come through for his people. And so if you've ever been in that situation where you feel like your back's against the wall, it feels like you're between the devil and the deep blue sea, you can look back into the word of God, the book of Exodus, and see that God takes care of his own, that God works for people and performs miracles, and that he is able, no matter what it may look like to you, to come through for you and work in your life. And this is what he did for the people of God. And so he brought them out, and I like this. The Bible said that he brought them out with a high hand. also says that he brought them out uh, on wings of eagles. And so we know that these are figures of speech, but what the Lord is trying to tell us that when they came out, when they were delivered, they weren't in a frail, emaciated, weakened condition, but when they came out, they came out with the strength of God. They came out victoriously. They came out triumphantly. They came out celebrating. They came out singing songs. They come out playing timbrels. They come out worshiping their God. They came out magnifying the Lord. That's what we need to do that's been delivered here in this room this morning. Somebody, amen, I hope you haven't lost your song. I hope you haven't lost your shout. I hope you still can come to church and lift up your hands and you still got some dance in your feet and you still know how to lead for joy and you still know how to worship God because truly he has delivered us and he's brought us a mighty long ways this morning. Oh, praise God. And so God, everybody say proved. God proved to them uh, that he was a powerful God. He proved himself to his people. He proved that he was a prayer answer that when they would cry out to him, that he would hear them, no matter how desperately uh, that the situation and the circumstances were, that he would hear them. And he proved that he was a deliverer. He proved, because he had made a promise way back there to Abraham, he said, your, your people is going to go in, into, in the third generation. They're going to go into bondage. But don't worry, don't fear, Abraham. I'm going to bring them out. I make you that promise. And when I bring them out, they're going to be stronger, and they're going to be greater, and I'm going to multiply them even in their bondage. And so God here proves to us in the book of Exodus that he is a promise keeper. I know that's a term that a lot of people, he's the original promise keeper. You get my point? Amen. He, he knows how to keep his promise. And that's a good thing in this world where a lot of people don't keep their promises. But God, you can depend on to keep his promise. He is always faithful to us. And so God proved all of these things. Through this, he proved he was a healer. Through this, he proved that he was a provider. Through this, he proved that he had not forgotten them. Ever felt like you was alone? Ever felt like you was by yourself? Ever felt like heaven was brass? Ever felt like your prayers wasn't leaving the room? Well, you can identify because God, amen, proved to these that perhaps felt that same way at points in their lives that he does hear us, that he does come through for us, and that he does receive 
respond and hear the prayers and the cries of his people. God proved himself to Israel. And he is willing here today to prove himself to us. I believe with all of my heart, I've seen all the proof I need to see that God is still a healer. I've seen all the proof I need to see that he's still in the salvation business, that he's still filling people with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives them the utterance, just like the Bible said, and just like it happened on the day of Pentecost. I see all the proof in the Word of God that I need to see that there is only only one God, and the devils also believe and tremble. That's what the scripture said. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got all the proof I need that he is still a miracle worker, that he is a provider. Oh, somebody needs to help me preach here this morning. Somebody needs to warm up your amens and wake up this morning and realize, hey, God has proven himself. He's proven himself to this local congregation. He's proven himself to this church time and time again. He's proven himself faithful. He's proven himself strong. He's proven himself to be a provider for us. He's given us miracles. We heard testimony today that God is currently still in the healing business. I'm not talking about something that happened 25 years ago. I'm talking about something that's happened recently. Amen. The test showed one thing, went back, took the test again, and they showed an entirely different thing. You can leave that to chance if you want to, but I happen to believe that it's the power of Almighty God and His ability to heal. He's proved Himself. He's proved Himself. Amen. Uh, But as they transition towards the promised land and what God had in store for them. It seems like the tables turned just a little bit here. And God goes from proving himself. Oh, there were still miracles. There were still great things that happened. But it seems like God's interest was in proving them whether or not they were prepared, whether or not they were really ready for what he wanted to do whether they were able to transition into the place that God had for them. Because you understand, they had been generations in bondage. They had a mindset and a mentality of such. And now God is bringing them into a whole new paradigm, a different dynamic than what they've ever been used to. And God has to prepare them for it. And he wants to see the depth of their commitment. He wants to prove the strength of their consecration and convictions to him. And so he wants to prove them. And so three times we read here uh, passages that I read to you in your hearing here this morning where he proved them. Exodus chapters 14 and 15, they had come out of Egypt, as I've already explained, and, and now they made three days' journey past the Red Sea, on into the wilderness, into the interior of this uh, wilderness that was a very harsh environment and atmosphere to survive in. They would need God to continue to help them. And for three days they have spent uh, traveling without any water, according to the Scripture. And they could not find water to drink. And now uh, they begin to murmur among themselves and then finally they happen upon a body of water but as they tested this water 
Uh, it was at the place that was called Mara when they tested this water. It was bitter. It was unable to be drank. And so uh, they began to murmur the more. And murmuring is simply an Old Testament term uh, for complaining. And they began to backbite a little bit and complain. Well, Moses, why did he get us out here in the wilderness? And we're just going to perish and dry up in the sun. This is a bad deal for us. And, uh, but they're at that particular place. Uh, they are brought to this pool or whatever it was, a Mara. And there's bitter waters there. And this was a point in the midst of their transition into the promises of God that God was proving them. Can I tell you how you handle the bitter experiences of a life? Says a lot about you. And whether or not you're able to receive the answer, the blessing, the touch from God that you've been praying for. Perhaps God tests you with certain things. It could be disappointment. It could be folks letting you down. It could be the death of somebody very close to you and how you handle that situation. I remember one particular point, uh, one of my sister-in-law's uh, person that she was connected with uh, and was in a relationship with uh, passed away and she was teetering back and forth in her relationship with God. I remember saying to my wife, this particular trial and this bitter experience, if I could say it this way, this is not what she asked for. This is not what she wanted. This is not what she had dreamed about, but this has happened and this is going to be a time where she's either going to draw closer to God or she's going to go further away into the world. And that's the way it bitter, bitter experiences sometimes play out in our lives. We either fall on the hands of God and put our trust in Him and pray and seek the face of the Lord and draw closer to Him and rely upon His strength and rely upon His comfort and rely upon his help during those dark times? Or we allow the enemy to drive a wedge in between us and God. And I've even seen people get to the point that they begin to blame God uh, for the circumstances and the ways that things has played out in their life. Bitter experiences and how I handle them. It's a test of whether or not I can go any further. It's a test of whether or not I can be blessed. Amen. Some by their own choosing never overcome. Never overcome. I'm reminded of Naomi in the scripture when she did return to the house of God and somebody said that looks like Naomi that's coming. She said no, no, don't call me Naomi but call me Myra because I am bitter. Amen. And the experiences that I've had has left me in a bitter condition. I don't know about you, but over bitterness, I want to choose the blessings of Almighty God. If you've allowed this into my life, amen, and I don't believe that God necessarily sends bad situations to anyone, amen. I don't believe that God sends anything into the lives of people, but there's a devil that many times is, is allowed to attack and allowed to bring a trial into our life, just like in the case of Job. 
And God did this to prove to Job, amen, the faithfulness of God to come through for him in his time of trouble. And he also did this to prove Job's integrity. And in the end, he was twice as blessed as he began. I'm telling you, God, when he proves his people, is going to bless his people. Hallelujah. We see in the life of Abraham, I can see I need to kind of sure up that point, but I'm just telling you it's the truth. In the life of Abraham, he said, you take your son Isaac, the one that you have all of your hopes and all of your dreams in, and you put him on the altar, and you sacrifice him unto me. Now, I know that God did not allow him to do it, but he wanted to see the willingness of Abraham, whether or not you're willing to be obedient to me. And he said later on, now I know that you're willing to do whatever I ask ask you to do. You're willing to go as far as I desire you to go. You're willing to to put it all down and place it all on the altar. He proved him. He did this, the scripture said. You can read it in your Bible. He did this to prove him or to test him. Praise God. And so he, he wants to prove his people and it's how that we endure those bitter experiences and how we handle those bitter experiences. God showed Moses that the answer was really not too far away. While these people were murmuring, while they were complaining, Moses begins to cry out to God. Can I tell you, when bitterness comes into your life, when a situation that you didn't ask for occurs in your life, when disappointment comes in your life, when hurt comes into your life, oh, don't murmur. Take your need. Take your situation just like Moses did to God. Fall before the Lord. He began to cry out to the Lord. I need your help. And God revealed to him there's a tree right there that's beside the pool, Moses. You take a branch from that tree and you cast it in the water and I'll make it sweet and able to drink. Amen. I'm going to just preach to somebody here today that the answer is not nearly as far away as you think it is. It's not nearly as far off as the devil's trying to tell you that it is. He tries to tell you a long ways from victory, but he's a liar. I said he's a liar. You're closer to victory than you ever imagined. You're as close as this altar. You're as close as the house of God. You're as close as the presence of the Lord. You're as close as when you pray. You're as close as when you worship. You're as close as when you cry out to him. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. He wants to try to convince people that you're a long ways off. But the presence of the Lord's a whole lot closer to you than what you may imagine here this morning. You need to have faith in God. You need to realize that, hey, I'm right here at the place of opportunity. I'm right here where there's an altar. I'm right here with the presence of God. And there's people that's willing to help me and pray with me and pray me through to the Holy Ghost and get me through to victory. I'm in the right place. A faith atmosphere. I'm here. I'm close to where victory is. Amen. But I notice as I read on down in that story that right after that, they come to Elam. Elam was a totally different place than Mara. Matter of fact, tells us that there was 12 wells that were there and three score and ten palms that was in that place. It was virtually a paradise compared to Mara. And the Bible says that when they arrived there that they encamped and they drank of those waters and they enjoyed that little oasis out there in the desert. 
But I find no evidence where they even thank God for it, where they even gave praise to God for it. Now, when situations was bad, they were quick to murmur. They were quick to complain. But now, in just a few verses of Scripture, when God turns the tables around and they're in Elam and the blessings of God are flowing and now they got wells that are deep and ready to be drunk out of, amen, they, they, they didn't even give praise and thanks to God. Quick to murmur and slow to praise. Slow to give thanks to the Lord. Isn't that just like human nature? That's just like what we sometimes experience nowadays. Amen. I don't want to be the type of person that complains when circumstances are not bad and fails to praise Him when things are good and the blessings of God are flowing. Amen. Praise the Lord. If God's been good to you, you need to be the first to lift up your voice and give Him praise about it and thanks for if God is giving you a well to drink out of you need to be the first one to clap your hands and say God amen, I thank you that you saw me through the bitter experiences of my but now I'm in Elam and it's time to praise you it's time to worship you it's time to glorify the name of the Lord is there somebody that can worship God after you've endured some things and after you've been through some things you still got some praise you still got some thanks. Don't let the bitterness of life skew you. Don't let the bitterness of life jade you. Don't let the bitternesses of bitter experiences of life and the letdowns of life keep you or hold you back from doing what you need to do. The will of God is to give thanks. That's scriptural. He said, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Amen, I thank you for my trial because if it hadn't have been for my trial, I wouldn't have experienced the triumph. I wouldn't have experienced the victory. I wouldn't have experienced the strength that I got and received from it. So I'm coming out with praise because you now have led me to Elam. If you're in Elam, thank God you ought to praise him for it. If you're in Mara, amen, don't complain, but just say it's going to change. It's going to get better. I'm just going to keep on walking and following out to God. God's going to take care of me. Praise the Lord. Amen. But all of this was to prove them. And then the scripture says over there in Exodus 16 that he said, I... I'm going to show them how to live for me. And this is still an example of how we are to live for God. You know, everything in here is a type and a shadow and a parallel that points towards the new covenant, points towards our present day experience. And he said, uh, they're hungry and they need sustenance in the wilderness. So I'm going to rain bread down from heaven and you're going to, you're going to call it manna. And it's going to come faithfully every day with the dew of the morning. Six days out of the week, gather just enough for those days that you, you need it. But on the sixth day, he said, gather twice as much for the Sabbath. And so, he said, this is the, this is the routine that you're going to have to get into. And so the test really here is how do you handle? Now, we've talked about how you handle the bitterness of life. How do you handle the blessings of God when they come to your life? Because there's the tendency 
Amen. He said, you got to go out there and gather every day. It's going to be there, but you're going to have to go back every day. And so there's the tendency to say, man, I'm, I'm full. I don't want to go back. I'm not even hungry right now. I don't want to go back. But if, if they waited, the Bible said that it would melt away. It would perish. And if one of them decided, hey, I'm going to gather up enough for the whole week where I don't have to. I can just lay back, take my time, enjoy myself. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to come back every day. And I'm just going to hoard it up. The Bible said it would breed worms and it would begin to spoil and stink, begin to rot. And so this was very fragile substance, this manna was. And the only way it would be sustained was to, to go from the sixth day to the Sabbath day so that they could have sustenance on uh, the Sabbath day and they wouldn't have to work and gather out there and gather the manna on the Sabbath day, which would be contrary to the law. And so God had all of this figured out. You've got to come back to me every day. Isn't it amazing when things start going good in some people's lives? They don't want to go out and gather no more. They don't want to wake up and, and, and go to the prayer meeting. They, they don't want to be faithful to the house of God like they used to be. They don't want to, to have the commitment and the consecration to the things of the Lord that they used to have. Amen. They've forgotten what it was like to be hungry in the wilderness without any substance and without any food and without any way to make it. And, and they've lost their dependence upon God. But if you're going to keep this, you're going to have to go back every day. If you're going to stay with strength and you're going to continue this journey towards the promised land, you're going to have to go back every morning just like the word of God says and you're going to have to gather manna. I'm going to tell you there's a way, amen, that God has provided for us that we can walk in strength, that we can walk in victory, that God will sustain and protect us, amen, but it's by going to him every day and saying, God, I trust you. I put my faith in you. My confidence is not in myself, but my confidence is in you, God. I need you to lead me. I need you to direct me. I need you to guide me. I need you to issue my steps today. I can't do this on my own. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We get puffed up in ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, you can't hoard this. You can't hold this back. It will spoil on you. The only way other than this that this was ever preserved was that it was placed in a pot and then placed in the Ark of the Covenant, which the presence of God hoovered over. I'm going to tell you, the only way that you can preserve your blessing and your relationship with God is to stay connected to the presence of the Lord. You got to stay in the presence of God. You got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You can't go weeks and months without praying through to the Holy Ghost. You, you need a fresh, new, up-to-date experience. When I go down there to Super One buy milk, I don't I don't just take the ones on the front row. I, I look around there. I, I shuffle through them things. I dig down there to the back because I want to find the one that has the freshest date on it. Because I I don't want to buy something because I you know I drink milk maybe with cereal and that's about it. I know some of you folks you like to drink a big old tall glass of milk every day, but that's just not me. I just I just take it in the cereal. And most of the time after I eat the cereal, I pour the milk out. Isn't that terrible? But anyway, I, I can't handle just a whole lot of milk, and so I got to have something that's going to last a little bit 
bit longer. I'm going to tell you something. We need an up-to-date, fresh experience in God. The Bible tells me that there's fresh oil that is available to those uh, that will come and seek Him and be refreshed in Him. Our relationship with God needs to live and and abide. and, And we need to always be close to a renewing in the Holy Ghost having either just been renewed or on our way to get renewed in the Holy Ghost. If you want to stay on fire, if you want to keep the junk out of your life, if you want to keep the flow of God and the pipes unclogged, so to speak, you stay in the Holy Ghost. You stay in the presence of God. You stay renewed in the Spirit of the Lord. There's nothing worse than when when the presence of God is shut down. There's nothing worse than an old negative attitude and a bad spirit that all of us have to struggle with from time to time. I know you you sitting there like you're uh, you know some saint that is perfect, but I, I know better because all of us are humanity and all of us have to deal with it and we all have to get through those things. How do we do it? Through the help of the Holy Ghost, uh, through being renewed in the Spirit of God. Uh, amen. How are we able to overcome things? Uh, the hurts and the, the situations of life. Uh, I tell you how by staying full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you stay full of the Holy Ghost, amen, everything is smoother. Everything is better. Everything flows. The blessings of God are there. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here today? Amen. Somebody right here in this room can break through to a fresh new renewing in the Holy Ghost. It's been a long time since you felt Him flowing like you can feel Him flowing here today. It's been a long time since you've experienced what you could experience here this morning. Praise God. Because over time we had, you know, over here in this older building, got somebody over there working for us and they had a pipe situation and got down in there. Oh, man, they was digging around in that pipe and getting it unclogged. And I said, my Lord, how in the world did all that stuff get down in there? It was amazing. This sludge and slime, and it was gross. It was terrible, nauseating. I'm going to tell you what, that can happen in our lives. We've got to have the blood, and we've got to have the spirit of being able to touch and bring life and flow in our hearts and our lives. Some of you need some Drano today. I hate to tell you, you need something to happen in you. You need the Spirit of God to unstop some wells in your life and let it flow again. Amen. That, that, that that you need is the power of the Holy Ghost to to touch you again, to refresh you again. Let it flow, Jesus. Spring up, oh well, spring up. Let the Holy Ghost touch me in every place of my life. Let's give praise to the Lord. Let's give praise to the Lord. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. I got to keep going back. Amen. What I got back there is not enough for now. Amen. The altar needs to be the best friend of every apostolic. Amen. We ought not be afraid of this. And if there's nobody else to pray through the Holy Ghost, we need to pray through the Holy Ghost. We need to be renewed in the Spirit. So there's always time to pray in the altar. Praise God. It's like the old fellow that came down the altar pastor said, have you repented? He said, man, I don't have anything to repent of. He said, well, I got something. 
He said, you can repent of your pride because obviously you've got a lot of pride if you think that you don't have anything to repent of. I'm going to tell you, there's always flesh. There's always flesh. There's always pride to be repented of. Amen. It, it, it's always there. It's always to be dealt with. It's always to be crucified. We've always got to take up that cross and deny ourselves and follow after him. Come on, I'm in the Holy Ghost here this morning. Somebody needs to realize uh, that I'm going to have to fight this flesh every step of the way. And if I hear pearly gates click behind me, it's going to be because I got up every day and crucified this flesh uh, that I prayed through, that I didn't let things bother me, that I didn't let things nag on me that I didn't let things stop me I didn't let anything hinder me what does hinder Amen. I'm not going to let anything hinder me from getting all that God has for me I want to fully see the promises of God in my life and the only way I can is to stay in his presence hallelujah that's right and then in Exodus 19 and 20 Moses was instructed as he went up into the mount of the Lord. He was instructed to set bounds, set bounds around that mountain. Basically a boundary, a line where they couldn't cross over because if they crossed over it, they would surely die as they were, what the Lord said, breaking into a place that they were not permitted to. And so it was up to Moses to set that particular boundary and set that line there. And so this was to prove, the scripture says it here, it says that it was to prove in 20 and 20, to prove them, he set those boundaries. It was a boundary test and how we handle the boundary test. Are we able to constrain ourselves through consecration? Are we able to constrain ourselves through our commitment and dedication to God, to the boundaries that God has for us in his word. Are we willing, are we willing to submit? Are we willing to place our lives on the altar? Are we willing to really die out to the desires and the feigned appetites of the flesh and the worldly desires that are within and innate in everybody's flesh? Amen. Somebody said, well, I just never had a desire to do that. Well, it's because God's been good to you and gracious to you. But if your flesh is just let go, you don't even know what that would lead to. I said, you don't even know. If you get off in sin, and, 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 and sin is a progressive thing, and you get off in sin and you allow sin and to be rampant in your life. You don't even know where sin is going to lead you other than it will lead you to death, the Bible said, and that is certain. But all the dregs that it will bring you through and drag you through on the way to death, you don't even know. I've heard people say, I'll never go there. I'll never do that. I'll never participate in that. I'll never be involved in that. I, you don't have to worry about me. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't believe it just as strong as y'all believe it, but uh, bless God, I, I'm not going to get involved in alcohol. And I'm, I'm not ever going to be a smoker. And I'm never going to be a drug addict. And, and 10 years down the road, it's the very things that they said that they would never be is what they end up being because they never could 
could constrain their flesh and consecrate it and die out on an altar. I'm going to tell you, there's something to taking up this cross. There's something to pouring your heart out. There's something to fully repenting and saying, God, there's boundaries that you're going to bless me in. There's, there's life around these boundaries. There's hope around these boundaries. And I want to live and constrain this old flesh to live within the boundaries of God, in the boundaries of his blessing, in the boundaries of his goodness. There's a place that you have for me where I can live and be fruitful and be multiplied and be blessed. And I want to live in that place. Oh, lift your hands and let's praise the Lord together. Certain things that you deal with me about, God, that you stir my heart with, conviction, amen. Come on, are we still able to identify conviction when it comes into a service? Are we so far outside the boundary? You know what I noticed? And this is a testament of human nature. Moses set the boundary. Instead of drawing close to it and trying to, the Bible said they went away from it. The other direction. Amen. God wants us to, to live in a specific place with him. Draw near to him. And close to him. He has a place and a design for our lives and where it can be blessed. The word of God clearly spells it out. There's clearly direction here in the word of God of how we can live our lives and be fruitful and blessed. Why would I want to tempt God and why would I want to try something that is unproven? Could I talk about that for a little while? Could I tell you that what we're doing here is proven? What, what we, we've got the testimonies. We've got generations of this behind us. This Pentecostal way, this apostolic way is a proven way of blessing and it is the good life. Why would I want to change it now? Why would I want to tempt God now? Why would I want to move a boundary now? Why would I want to say I'm going to do something different at this point? If God brought me to this place and he's brought generations before me to this place, it, it was good enough for them and it's so them through and they were able to finish their journey and have the joy of the Lord at the end of the race then all of us that's in this room ought to take notice and realize that I can't blaze my own trail and have the blessings of God. I can't blaze my own trail and still have God's anointing on my life. I can't blaze my own trail and get outside the covenant of God and expect God to be with me. I gotta keep walking with Him. I gotta keep trusting in Him. I gotta keep doing his will. I kind of keep being what he is. Why don't you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's give him praise again. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray together right now. Woo. Feel the Holy Ghost here today. Talking to somebody, ministering to someone, reaching for some heart that's in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> 
Oh, yes. You have a way. You said you'd make a highway through the wilderness. If I wouldn't turn to the left or to the right and I'd just stay on that highway, I could make it. I could be blessed. You'll take care of all my needs. You'll satisfy every desire that's in my heart. Father, just keep walking with me. Not be impatient, but continue on in the will of the Lord. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Why don't we, why don't we reach over to somebody nearby and let's pray together. The Holy Ghost would have its way in the conclusion of this service today. Would you pray with me? Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray together. Let's pray. God would help somebody. That God would touch somebody. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel right now in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody in this room today, and I don't even know who you are. I could guess, but I, I think I'd, that's all I'd be doing is trying to guess. But I just feel strongly impressed before I give this altar call. There's somebody. I'm talking about somebody that knows, somebody that's been around, somebody that's had revelation of truth. That a spirit of deceit has tried to come in. Tried to tell you that there's another way and that you'll be all right and you'll be okay. But I'm going to tell you that lie and where that path leads is to destruction. And if you don't hear the voice of this preacher this morning, come on, I don't know when we'll feel or experience or have what we're having right now again. And the anointing and the level of intensity that I feel upon my heart. I'm not doing this to make anybody uncomfortable. I'm not doing this to, 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 to move anybody that doesn't want to move. Hey, the choice is yours. But it's basically blessings and life over, over deceit and death. Amen. Spiritually. I'm not talking about death necessarily physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Amen. Hope is here today. You're not too far away from it. You may feel like I'm in a Mara situation, but the tree's here. Let's get it in the water. Amen. Let's get the water sweet again. Amen. What used to be bitter to you, you better make it sweet to you again where you can drink it. Amen. And receive it and get it down in your bosom and get it right with God today. Well, there's somebody that'd like to come to this altar. These altars are open. Come on, these altars are open. Hallelujah. God, I'm not going to try to blaze my own trail and do it my way. Come on, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to endeavor to serve you and do your will. Hallelujah. Come on, make your way. Make your way. Make your way. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. Come on, folks. Amen. This is prayer time. Oh, God, I need you to touch us today. 
Hallelujah, I need you to touch us today. I need you to touch us today. Let's find a place to reach out to one another, to God ourselves, but let's be praying. Let's be sensitive to what God is doing. Let's open up our hearts to the touch of the Lord, to the power of God. God is able to help somebody. God's able to turn somebody's heart around. God's able to reveal truth to somebody here today. God's able to open up somebody's heart here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah.